Women and Wellbeing is an Ed and Center podcast highlighting emotional well-being and mental health through Jewish sources and interviews with experts and activists. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, is a certified Matan Marala Halacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Roots Guidance Program for Religious Girls, and the creator of Power Parsha. Just as the mikvah waters create the opportunity for renewal, we hope the insights shared here will serve as a springboard for discussion and rejuvenation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Women in Wellbeing, an Eden Center podcast. This month's episode, in honor of Rosh Chodesh Shvat, is sponsored by the Markowitz family in memory of Miriam Batmoshe Tzvi Vakrendel Markovich, Levet Mihai, whose 45th yard site is Yudchet Shvat. May her neshama have an aliyah in the merit of the Torah we learn together here. For Rosh Chodesh Shvat this month, we're going to be doing things a little differently. In honor of the holiday and celebration of the trees and fruits, and because this year we are observing a Shnat Shemitah, we're going to be talking about the connections between fruits and Shemitah and the observance of Hilchot Nida and Mikvah. We are going to be doing this through a four-way conversation between myself, the Eden Centers, Dr. Naomi Marmon Grummet, Malka Chana Amichai, and Sandra Ben David, our two special guests. Today, Naomi is going to be moderating our podcast conversation. Naomi, thank you so much. Over to you. Welcome to the podcast for Shvat. The Mishnah says that Tu Bishvat is the new year of the trees, and we celebrate the fruit and the growth. And this year, it's also Shemitah, which is the time that we have a change from the regular and we rest from planting and the act of cultivating that we do in our lives. And thinking about that sparked the idea that maybe there are actually some parallels to Nida. Maybe there is something between the idea of resting from your work in the field and resting from your intimate sexual activities um, and the whole framework that we have. So today we wanted to explore that idea and we're looking for the parallels between Shemitah and Nida. And we invite you to be part of this conversation as well. If you have any ideas or thoughts that are sparked by it, please send them to us at info at theedincenter.com or uh, on our website, www.theedincenter.com. And uh, we're going to just have fun with this. So today we're going to be hosting Malka Khanna Amichai and Sandra Ben David in conversation with Karen and myself, Dr. Naomi Marvin Grummet. Malka Khanna Amichai has been working in the field of women's empowerment for the past decade as a doula and kala teacher, a sexual health mentor, a childbirth educator, and she works with women, helping them and guiding them through different life cycle events. Malka Khanna has an international business called Bohemian Balabasta, which is very active on social media. You can find her Instagram on Instagram very easily. And really, her work inspires women to connect to their femininity and their inner power. Malka Khanna, you want to just say hi? Hi. Thanks for having me. Excited Great. to schmooze together and learn together. Great. And, um, and our other guest is Sandra Ben-David, who's a former college teacher for three decades, and she was a mikvah attendant also for 10 years. She currently works as an individual and couples therapist in the Jerusalem area. She's the mother of six amazing children who are all adults now, and the grandmother of 10. She's married to Arya Ben-David for more than 40 years. 
and uh, she brings her life wisdom with her to this podcast. So hi, Sandra. Hey, it's an honor to be with the three of you this morning. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so Karen, since this is your regular show and people know your voice, I'd love for you to start out the conversation by giving us some of some ideas that you found that maybe connect um, the laws and the text around Shemitah and similarly um, what we find in the Nita practice. And that will sort of start our conversation and we'll go from there. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Naomi. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to Women and Wellbeing, this Eden Center podcast. I am very excited that we're doing this, shaking things up today and doing things a little differently. And I am grateful to Naomi for this uh, fantastic suggestion of um, a sort of podcast chavruta between these uh, very talented and unique and interesting women. Uh, and so thank you all for joining us. So uh, of course, we are marking Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and in the Mishnah, as Naomi mentioned, there's actually a debate between when Rosh Hashanah, when is the Rosh Hashanah, the new year for the trees, for the fruits, and there's a debate between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, and uh, Beit Shammai says that the new year is on Aleph Shvat, the Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and Beit Hillel says it is on Tubi Shvat, and so we see that this month in particular is entrenched uh, entrenched in this month is is a celebration of the fruits and fruits of course are about um, fruitfulness creativity renewal uh, there's an element of fertility and uh, just as fruits renew themselves um, these are themes which we've also talked about here in this podcast and at the Eden Center and so they really do relate I believe they relate on some level to our, our cycles as women and our relationships with others. And so that's one of the things that we are looking to explore here. Uh, at the same time, we're also in the beginning of the book of Shemot on uh, our weekly Parshas. And the beginning of Shemot, right at the very beginning, emphasizes the fruitfulness and the heroism um, and the procreation on the part of the women. And of course, the word, the language which is used for, for, their, for their procreating in a miraculous nature um, is the language of fruitfulness. They were incredibly fruitful and multiplied. And this was a this was a symbol of the fact that even in the face of oppression, the women in the beginning of Shemot remained hopeful and kept their faith in God uh, to keep uh, moving forward. And so and so we're starting to see that there are these connections between um, between women and redemption and renewal and faith in Hashem connected through their fruitfulness, which was not only through continuing to bear children in the face of hardship, but also in their commitment, defiance of Paro, in their heroism, in Miriam's heroism, in saving Moshe. So all of these things are sort of coming together for me in my head. And now we turn to Shemitah. Um, and so Shemitah as well, of course, has this element of, um, of restfulness and renewal. Uh, and before we get to that, I want to just draw a few more numerical connections. We have, of course, the idea that um, Shemitah happens every seven years. 
And in fact, the, the Torah tells us that Yobel, the Jubilee year, is counted by, and now we're going to do some math, by counting seven times seven years, seven times seven Shemitahs. And the language used there is the Safar Telacha Sheva Shabbatot, you count seven years. And in, uh, in the Torah, the, the, the idea that you have to count seven days when you observe the Nida cycle um, has the exact same language. The Safra La, she counts for herself. Of course, Svirat HaOmer also has that, but we won't get into that here. Um, but those I are really- I want to say, Karen, that, I, that you didn't make it explicit, but I think that already starting out, right, there's the seven-year cycle and there's the seven days of Nida according to the Torah. That the, the whole concept of seven- is very prominent in both of them. Exactly. We have the sevens, we have the seven days of Nida, the seven clean days uh, in Halakha, and of course, the seven years. Thank you. Um, On a more thematic level, uh, I'll just add a few more quick ideas, and then we can uh, jump into discussion. Um, We have the idea that Rav Cook talks about uh, in his Sefer on on Shemitah, uh, that Shemitah is a time to, to rest, for the land to rest to give it time to rejuvenate and uh, to, to bear fruit again. And I think that this is something that we've sort of at the Eden Center and in our lives as women try to infuse in our monthly cycle in terms of our relationships. Um, we take, we, we, we try to infuse this time where we step back from physical touch and physical intimacy. Um, and we try to infuse that with thinking about, okay, and when we're going to be together again, how, together again, how can we infuse this with, how can we renew, rejuvenate? Uh, and so I think that there's a potential connection there. So I want to jump in on that because even though, Karen, you said you didn't want to look at Usfaltim Lachem of Svirat Omer, when I used to teach Kalot with a Safrala Usfaltim Lachem, that was like an immediate, well, linguistically, what is that all about? And I spoke with the rabbi and I kind of said, you know, just like Svirat Omer, every day is linked to a Kabbalistic idea, the Svirot, working on certain Midot, could it connect that when women do during Shiva Nikiim, internal beauty cult, physically, but it's also a soulful check-in. It's what do I need to work on today? Like take it from physical to spiritual, soulful, emotional. I'm counting these days. I'm counting the safrala. What does this mean to count toward reconnecting with my husband physically, but also during this time, literally each day coming up with a midah, a trait, something that I want to be more intentional about with myself, with my husband, for a relationship. And it was something that, you know, it sounded a bit new age. But when I spoke to this Rob, he was like, absolutely. So I think, Naomi, what you're saying in the language, it just kind of calls out for that counting, checking in and checking up about what's going on and working on that. Sandra, I just want to say I love that. And, you know, there is actually one halachic authority who says that women, when it says Vesafra Allah, it says that women, he says that women should actually count out loud like Spirit Omer. And there's, and I think this is one of the beautiful things is that when we as women study these sources and talk about them, we bring to them, we we infuse them with even more um, 
uh, enthusiasm. And so bringing that idea from the, the Midotus for at Homer and uh, the Kabbalistic angle, I really think that's really beautiful. I also, I really relate to and connect to the beauty of the idea. Sometimes women have such a hard time with decote, which are invasive and internal. Um, and yet what you're saying is, wait a second, maybe that's actually a metaphor for checking in. We physically check in, but we have to emotionally check in. That's what exactly. it's all about. Yes, That's exactly what it is. You know, Nomi, with what you were saying about, you know, um, an opportunity to reflect on the marriage and then Sandra with what you were saying, an opportunity to check inward. Um, for me, in my beliefs of Talata Mishpacha and what I teach, when we're in Nida and we have a separation from our partners, yes, we could, we could focus on the separation. We could focus on the yearning of wanting to be back together. We can focus on what's lacking but I really feel it's an opportunity, the real work, um, which I don't know if this is what the rabbinical authorities had in mind. It's really an opportunity for a woman to check in with herself, not necessarily as wife, not necessarily as mother. That's always there. But it's this opportunity to connect to me as a woman. My body is bleeding. It's trying to get my attention. Notice me. Right. So it's an opportunity for, you know, to physically and spiritually check in. And ultimately, that is an opportunity to like the zugiyut, right? When, when a woman feels she's in her power, when she feels in her own skin, that is often what massively impacts a marriage, too. Right. You know, there's always things for a husband to work on communication and, you know, the tone and all those things that, you know, bug us as wives. But really, a lot of it is like, it's also our inter- internal work. There's work that we need to be doing inside. And when we feel shalem and we have that opportunity to connect, then that really impacts the marriage. So when you connect it to Shemitah, I feel that the energy of Shemitah and Tarat Mishpacha being connected or not being connected is that transition. It's that transition moment. For me, it doesn't feel so much of like the seven days um, or the every seven years. It's the shift. It's that zero to a hundred shift on mikvah night that you're moving from one dynamic to another dynamic and you want to shift, but it's hard to figure out the new ground rules. For me, we grow our own vegetables. I'm outside every day. I don't have that this year. And I feel this like awkwardness. Like what do, what do I do? I'm out of my groove here. And I think that as menstruating women who keep Talat HaMishpacha, we feel that also when it's our mikvah night, we're excited. We're excited to like, you know, be back with our partners, but there's this sense of like awkwardness. How, how do I shift here? How do I move into this new stage? Right. And so I think the shift is really for me, when you bring those two topics together, that's, what's calling me that energetic shift in perspective. And what's my avoda here, right? The pause. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. I want to just comment on two things that you brought up. One is the safra. La, which the Torah says, which as you related to it is like for yourself. She has to count for herself what is going on within you. So I love that connection, actually, but connecting it back to what the Torah actually says about Nida, um, which is so parallel to the Shemitah counting also. But also I want to relate to the idea that you said in the transition and like have making sense of um, and where we are that I, I spoke with Rav Ramon the other day. And Rav Ramon is so well known for his books on Shemitah. And he shared with me 
that he sees many, many parallels between Shemitah and Niza. One of the things that he said, and I, this relates to this, the idea that I believe you just shared, is that Shemitah is about a process. Go through a process. And it's not just about the end goal of where we're going, but like recognizing the here and now, like my life is changed for it. And oh my gosh, I'm not going out to the field. I'm letting things lie fallow. I'm recognizing what's not there. Like you just said, when you go out to your garden, like one second, this is so not my normal routine. And that process of recognizing that is so important in and of itself, allowing us to feel that there are so many ways in which we can feel that stop everything <laughs> go back go to the internal and in Shemitah we have that with different halachot that are connected we stop in the field we, at the end we have to give back loans we have to make things hefker all of those things are about awakening something and I, that's what I think you said and also in, in Nida I, I think there's a very big parallel it's not just about getting to the end about what happens in that process when we stop for a minute and we each have our own space and we allow the things to come up in ourself that need to come up, that need to be checked in on, that need to be discussed. Rev. Ramon said something further that I really resonated with, which was that both of these have challenges. Like there are a lot of challenges involved in, let's start with Shemitah, with like not knowing where's your food coming from, not knowing what's going to be next year, thinking about where's my next meal going to be, right? Well, if we really were living in that way or the challenge of having to find going out even today, like we have to think about, oh, is this Yavul Shvi'it? Is this, you know, Yavul Nafri? Like, how am I, how am I getting things? And the same thing, I think with the challenges of Nida, which are so ever present, I couldn't list an unending amount of challenges that people feel emotionally and physically with keeping Nida. And those are things perhaps that um, allow us to, you know, think in that process, okay, what, what is this saying to me? These are things that I have to deal with. And these are things I have to be aware of. Karen, did you want to yes. say something? I want to add, um, you know, it's amazing how everything that, well, the layers that you're adding, all, all three of you are, are bringing out more depth into this idea. And I think that one thing we have to mention also, which we haven't mentioned yet, is, of course, the connection between sevens and Shabbat for the for the Aretz and Shabbat, our weekly Shabbat. And of course, when we think about Shabbat in our lives, uh, we think about holiness, Kedushah, and the difference between, we, we, we divide between, we distinguish between Chol and Kodesh, Kodesh and Chol, the holy and, and the more secular. And um, and Shabbat is also the day that we we particularly declare this, this uh, Emunah, this faith in God. And we see these elements, of course, very clearly. And of course, Rabbi Mon has written and taught about this, as you mentioned, uh, this connection between Shabbat and Shemitah. And the Torah itself draws this connection and it's calling Shemitah Shabbat. Uh, and it also is that that year where we, like you said, um, uh, have to have to build up that faith a little bit and and have to take that step back and say, okay, I don't know. I don't know for sure that I'm going to have all the, the that food brought to me this year. And I don't know, don't I have to have some faith. And this brings me back to the women of Sefer Shmot a little bit and the, their faith in the that time of uncertainty. And it also brings me back to Nida and the cycle of, of Tarada Mishpacha. 
Because of course, the flip side of fruitfulness and fertility is women who are struggling. And I think we should also mention that here too, women who are wanting to have children now and it hasn't come so easily. Women who are struggling with health issues. And this time can also be a time to to take for ourselves, as Malka Khanna said, and and build that faith, um, focus a little more on finding strength for finding that strength. Uh, and so I just wanted to highlight that as well, that this is also a time to, to, to also uh, be hopeful um, and to build faith. And of course, the time then when we can be together after the mikvah is a time, Kiddushah, it's a time of holiness as well. Uh, just like we have Kiddushah Shvi'it, the fruits of the Shemitah year are, are, are holy. So I wanted to just throw that in as well. Listening to the conversation, I was thinking Shabbat, it's Shabbat for everybody at the same time. Sfirat to Omer, another counting. That's every year the same time. Shemitah, every seven years. But the Safra La for a woman, for Anita, it's unique for every woman. It is not on a national calendar. It is defined by, by every individual woman in her own time. And I think that that's an, another beautiful, obvious, you know, that it's time is different for women. We move according to the national, to the agricultural, but also our own internal, which only we know. One source, which I really love, is the Sefer HaChinuch, which talks about Shemitah as an opportunity to, to work on our midot, to work to develop ourselves a little more, and to inter- be introspective. And uh, the Sefer HaChinuch writes that it's, it's our time to cultivate, to cultivate um, the midah of nedivut, generosity, and ayin tova, uh, also another word for generosity, having a good eye, a generous eye. And uh, I think that this is also something that we can think about in terms of our home, our relationships. When you talk about um, the Sefer HaChinuch's idea, that is such a beautiful idea because what it actually says is that the, what happens during Shemitah is that we have time to look internally. And he specifically brings out the idea of um, giving and generosity. But I think that in Nida, a lot of us um, have the idea also that that is our time to look inward. And to see where we're holding in our relationships. Um, and in our relationships, you know, having an eye in Tova is a very important part of it, but it allows us the need to cycle in some ways, if we're able to hook into this, allows us to sort of try to think positively about our partner and try to be generous toward them and try to raise awareness to our needs as a couple that our needs are separate. They're different, um, but that we have to be, you know, looking to our partner with Nadivut, with that same sort of generosity of giving them space, giving ourselves space within the relationship. I feel like that's what the the time of non-intimate touch is that's one of the things that it allows us is to is to have that process. When Naomi, you first spoke with me about this concept, I shared with you then that for many years, I have played with this sense of my body as a topographical map, like Mother Earth. Like my body has deep valleys, rolling hills, fault lines, shifting sands. There are times it feels tropical. There are times it feels glacial. 
like my body as an entity, either when I'm on my own, when I'm being touched, when I'm being held, when I'm creating boundaries of not wanting it, that I sometimes feel like it really is like, like its own earth, its own map, its own landscape. So when Naomi mentioned the concept of Nida and, and Shemitah, it was like, wow, like I can relate to that with my woman's body that is changing as I age with births, with miscarriages, with nursing. Like it is constantly evolving and reacting and dynamic, very, very much like the earth. So I just, I appreciated that new connection. Like I'd felt it within me, but suddenly it was a much bigger picture of being able to connect that to women's bodies, earth, cycles, Shmita, Nida. You know, I love that connects that to idea of your body as, you know, a, a map for all different things. And I, for me, that right away sparks the idea that, you know, at different times, like, during Shemitah, or if you talk about crop rotation, so one of the things is recognizing that there are, you know, in order for the earth to be healthy, there have to be changes, and we don't always plant the same thing in the same place, um, and, and we have to recognize that the earth has those cycles too, and I, I feel like such, that's such an important message for us as women, also within our sexuality, right? Different yeah. things feel good at different times, we have to explore that, we have to allow us to sense and to feel different things at all over our body and to nurture those different things in different ways, right? The, the topography image for me is such a strong, um, beautiful image of, you know, we can recognize it on the outside with the land's needs, but sometimes we don't recognize that in ourselves. And, you know, I don't know, that, that blows me away to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I remember with one of my births, a friend had shared an image that she birthed with of like standing and her legs were grounded like the trunk of a tree, the roots going down, but allowing her upper body to flow and sway like the branches and really seeing her body as a part of nature in a very, you know, in a metaphorical way. So that's another connection to our bodies being of nature of the earth of the land i think that in some ways when i think about you know the cycle of nida really is about and malkahana you sort of related to this earlier is about getting in touch with that connection of my earth my earth my womanhood my grounding what is my body in this process and so much shemitah also being the shemitah cycle is an external cycle that we impose, but it's needed for the agriculture. And the, the Nida cycle is something external, but it is based on our internal cycle of what is happening in our body. And you know the, that comes back to what you said before about needing to recognize the, the different stages and the different things that are going on, even in my monthly cycle, which we don't always stop to do. I want to say something about that in terms of the 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 new age topic of menstrual cycle awareness and the different phases of our cycle as menstruating women. Um, you know, it's, it's explained that in a time when we're menstruating, it's our inner winter. It's a time where it's darker and we go inside and 
um, we release and we want to be quiet. And then once our bleeding stops, we enter the next phase and that season is of spring. So it's not necessarily that Shvat turns out in the spring, but what's happening in Shvat, what Tuba Shvat is, is all of those seeds that we had planted, those foundational things that we had planted on Hanukkah, the, all that sap is going up through the roots. And on Tuba Shvat, we start to see the little, like the little tiny buds starting to open. So it's not spring, but there's all this like inner stuff going on and you start to see the little, the little fruits, the little flowers, the skadia, right? And so I like to think that, you know, if we're connecting the two, that when we're in that inner space, in that inner winter, in that inner spring, as we're being conscious menstruating women, that there's these, all these inner things being connected. There's this sap like coming to life within us. And then by the time we're out of Nida, we're ready to, to bloom outward, meaning be more outward, be ready to connect to another person, be ready to rejoin our husbands because energetically we're shifting from being internal to external. And that's exactly what Tubishvat is also, right? It's we're starting to see outwardly, physically, what's been going on inside, we're seeing it outward, right? So it's also connected in that way. Beautiful. That is, that's a really powerful idea. And I think that in some ways, that's also part of what's included in the whole Shemitah idea, right? Is the internal things, the change that you have to recognize that's needed and the rest that's needed for the land in order to rejuvenate, in order to allow the process is important, in order to allow for something to be afterward. And the rejuvenation and the renewal that Shemitah allows which is different than Tuvishvat, but it parallels the same thing, right? And we, we have to give that time. Um, and I think that what you just described about the fertility cycle is exactly the same thing. I don't know if, you know, I think Chazal probably did have in mind the ability to, to hold that kind of understanding of space and the internal needs and the, how we change over time within the month cycle. I, I really think that sometimes it's hard for us as moderns because we don't connect to all of those things. We're not as mindful of our bodies and our internal needs. Um, but if we could be, perhaps those are things that we could connect into that would really put us in a different space. Um, and if we can connect into them through Nija, I think that's really beautiful. And um, what you related to also, which I, in my research, when I asked women, what does the separation time do for you, right? Like, what do you get out of it? So one of the things that came up most frequently um, was that it builds desire. The space allows me to be internal, but it also allows me to have more turning to my partner. Both husbands and wives feel a buildup of excitement over time. So we let our bodies lie fallow in the physical sense to turn toward each other afterward with renewed energies. For sure. I have to just say, I'm just listening to this and amazed by the level of creativity of our uh, four, four minds being put together. And I think this is so in sync with the topic, because of course we say on Shabbat that Shabbat created the world, Asher bara Elohim la sot, to do, to be create, to be for us as human beings to be created in this world. And we as women taking resources, which 
you know, you could look at and say, well, connecting women's bodies to, you know, to trees, to the land, to you could you could take that in theory to a place of disappointment, but instead to be able to take that symbol as women and and take it to such a positive place and such a creative place, I think it's really um, it's really an incredible um, development in this conversation. And so I think that that really fits with the idea of Shemitah and Shabbat and Tarat HaMishpacha. I, what I want to emphasize, uh, Sandra, you want to? No, go ahead. I, I want to say that um, Shabbat gives us the energy to continue in our week, right? It, but if we had Shabbat every single day, that would not be the ideal. And I think the same thing is true of Shemitah. Shemitah gives us a chance to rejuvenate, but we don't have that every single year. That would certainly not be ideal. We need to have our normal work. We need to have the land producing. We need to have the normal rhythm. Um, and, and that's the healthy, but then we need to step back and then we can appreciate all the things that we don't have. Um, and I think the same thing is true with Nida, right? It is not the ideal to be in Nida. We would not want that in our relationship every single day. But it can give us strength and it can give us that chance to um, reconnect and to look at ourselves differently. And, you know, as a society or as a community or as a couple, um, I think when I think about Shemitah, so um, Shemitah is supposed to, I believe, raise us up as a society, recognizing the needs of the poor, um, allowing afterward, we, we give back loans. So we allow for economic balance. We return loan. We, we return things. We, we understand at the end of it what it means to actually have to work for our food and not to have it right away. As a society, it allows us to look at things differently and look at the social structures differently and look at what's happening because we don't want there to be this huge imbalance between rich and poor, between people who can, uh, true also in Yeovil, but who can never recover from what their, you know, their economic challenges are. We don't want that. And Shemitah represents that. The same thing as a couple, right? It gives us a chance to refocus, to recognize what are the needs of our partner? What are our own needs within relationship? Mm. Um, I love that. I'm going to interrupt as you told me to do and say, you know, we're thinking about, we're thinking about in Shemitah reminding us of of our, our reliance on God of where, you know, where the rain comes from and how, how the fruit and the, and, and our food um, is grown. We also have, you know, sometimes lose that in our relationships, uh, in our intimate relationships, thinking more about uh, taking, it's so important also to work on ourselves, but there's this dual nature of taking the time for ourselves, but also remembering um what's beautiful about being able to rely on a partner as well. And, uh, and I think there's something really beautiful there and hadn't thought about that one before. So thank you. <laughs> I think also, Oh, sorry. I, I'll just give one more thing that I wanted to relate to. And I'm pleased. I, I love the idea also of Nida not having the touch, like, right. The, the fact that we can't um, can be a tool for us to recognize that everybody knows the idea of the five love languages that there are lots of different needs that our partners might have. And by the way, that, that balance of the physical and the emotional 
like we tend to say, oh, the men need the physical and the women need the emotional. But I don't think that's true. I think men also need emotional, very much so. And women also need physical. And um, 25% of women have more um, drive in the sexual realm than their partners. Um, and all of those things, that time of stepping back as a couple allows us to think one second, what are the different languages that I can relate to my partner with? It's not just about touch, it's about other things also. And like stepping back can allow us to do that. Yes, and find other ways to express the nadivut and the ayin tova, right? The generosity and the generous, as the five love languages discussed, you know, gifts and kind words. and And as the elder, of this uh, collective of four women. I just wanted to share a personal story that um, my very last menstrual period was days before our first grandchild was born. And that was very poignant and poetic and profound for me because there's a sense that as my body really moved out of its possibility of fertility and generativeness on a biological level that the next generation of our children they were they were productive and they were creating and they were bringing forth their fruit in the world and i know that that's not the story that every woman experiences but i felt that for me personally having been connected to teaching and learning and mikvah it was just kind of a i felt it was just such a tremendous gift to be able to not feel like, well, I'm all done now. Like, you know, my body's dried up, but wow, it just continues. It just mm-hmm. moves forth. And that was an amazing blessing. That's so beautiful, Sandra. There's, there's a beautiful um, uh, concept that says that when a woman begins menstruating, she gains access to her power. And when a woman is frequently menstruating she practices it and then as a woman enters menopause she's grounded in her power it's just there and I think it's so powerful and it must be so beautiful to see the continuation through other women you're in a different stage and you see women in the practicing stage you know it's beautiful go when it was Shemitah I don't know what to do can I prune the tomatoes? Can I not? Can I cut them away from the sidewalk or can I not? And one of the things that uh, I'm still figuring it out, you know, I feel like you finally figure it out by the end of Shemitah, right? <laughs> and so um, one of the things that kept coming up for me was a lot of the language was you can't uh, necessarily prune things for the sake of beautification. It's based on need, right? So meaning like, if the bushes are creeping into the sidewalk and people can't walk there, then it, it's, it's affecting the people walking by. And so you're able to prune it. And I, it's not exactly the same, but the concept of thinking like, is this a chatzitza? Is this something I want mm. there? Is this something I typically remove? Like, it just feels like so parallel. So I'm wondering what you all have to say, like, in terms of that aspect of Tarat the Mishpacha, not necessarily the energetic spiritual uh, cycle of it, but even in the technicalities, the process is like, can I keep this there? Can I not keep this there? Can I remove this? Can I not remove that? You know, that whole technical thought process that's really based on Ratzon 
is this me? Is this what I typically do? Do I want this there? You know? So you have anything to share? <laughs> I just think that's such a powerful idea in the, in the technical is uh, that, that really takes us deeper into, you know, the meaning of each of those things and uh, the, the ability to prune or the ability to have to contemplate like where, what is going on in the Shemitah field and what is going on in my um, preparedness and preparation for Nida. That's like really an amazing parallel between those two different uh, spheres. And I, Chatzitza is what separates me from the water, but separates me from God, what separates me from the world around me. And how do I relate to that? I really think that you're relating to here is also the, where do I put myself? Where do I, what things um, are me intrinsically and what things are separating me from that world? Um, and I guess in the Shemitah sense also, like what's the natural wild, um, healthy growing that is good and what are the things that are now going to be an impediment to the the mm -hmm. community and the world around me mm -hmm. wow i have to say my this that's really interesting and my associative thinking <laughs> uh, goes to a place of um one of the discussions that comes up in the in the laws of chatzitza of um of impediments um, is is the idea of is it something that the individual woman is makbida is careful about um, or sometimes if it's just something in general that women are generally uh, careful about and I think there's you know something that has sort of also run through this conversation between balancing the you know individual woman's experience and the, almost like what what in general. Um, uh, what women as a community are coming to all this with. And I think that's true for Shemitah as well, exactly as you pointed out. Uh, and so I, that's sort of one associative place that it goes to, um, the connection, the connection there between, between Chatzitza and, and, uh, and here we're sort of thinking about the things that we have to, which are potential, I don't want to say negatives, but things that, that, um, we have to be careful about in order to observe. Uh, and, and so that brings me to the, to the next idea, which is that it's creating, a, it's creating mindfulness. It's creating this mindfulness of, of ourselves, of our bodies, of, of our gardens. You know, we're in a world today where, where our world is threatened, right? Our, uh, the, 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 the land, the earth is threatened to a certain degree. And, um, and we have to increase this mindfulness also for ourselves as individuals and for our world. Uh, so, so thank you so much for, for, for bringing that up because that's a, that's a really, really valuable and beautiful point. I love that the idea of Shemitah helped to trigger um, this conversation about at embracing you know, the power of the body, the power of the internal, the ability to move internally and relate to those things and to recognize our need for space and our need for internal growth as well as um, external growth. And I just want to say thank you for being willing to have this conversation together. It's not easy to, you know, just share ideas, uh, but 
I think that things came out that would never have come out, just one of us thinking on our own. I just want to invite you to connect with the Eden Center. Share your thoughts on this, your further comments. Connect through our Instagram handle, which is Merkaz Eden, or connect to Malkahana Amichai, whose Instagram handle is Bohemian Balabusta. Whatever way, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your further comments. Amazing. It was incredibly Beautiful. fruitful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you Ken. What a this podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Edit Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedincenter.com.